Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. Our scripture reading uh, this morning comes from Jonah chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 10, and we'll go through chapter 3, verse 10. Chapter 2, 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth, and the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it through, through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Jonah is a northern kingdom prophet that was given a command to go to not his own people, but his enemies in Nineveh, the Assyrians. He was told to go there and preach a message of repentance. But instead, he went the opposite way, not towards Nineveh. He went the opposite way towards Tarshish. Read Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, just to kind of set the context. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah has disobeyed God. He's rebelled against the Lord. And as a result, God sent a storm to rock that boat upon which Jonah sailed. And after casting lights to see who was responsible for the trouble, the sailors found out it was because of Jonah. They knew that he was running from God because he had told them that already, but they asked him what they could do to calm the storm. What can we do to save our necks? They had already thrown the cargo overboard. So Jonah said, the only thing you can do is to throw me into the water. And after a last 
ditch effort to get back to land, that's what they did. They threw Jonah into the sea and immediately the sea calmed. But then God did something else extraordinary. He sent a large fish to swallow Jonah and that's where Jonah stayed. He stayed in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. And chapter 2 tells us of Jonah's thankfulness towards God for sparing his life. And this may be the only incident recorded in history of man where one gives thanks for being eaten alive. But the Lord commanded the fish to spit Jonah upon dry land, and we pick up there in chapter 3. And last time in chapters 1 and 2, we saw several things. We saw God's sovereignty, didn't we? As he brings about this storm, and as the sailors cast lots, the lots fall on Jonah, and then as the sailors throw Jonah into the water, the storm ceases. And then what does he do? He sends a fish to spit uh, to swallow Jonah and then to spit him up upon dry land. So we see the sovereignty of God and nothing, nothing happens in this world, nothing happens in our lives without God causing it or allowing it. We should be comforted and awed by that, by God's sovereignty. We also know that there's consequences of sin. We learned that as well, didn't we? Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, we're all separated from God and when we breathe our last, if we're still separated from the Lord at that time, we'll be separated for all eternity in hell. But there are also more immediate consequences to our sin. Also, like Jonah, think about Jonah. He suffered the immediate consequence of sin. He was swallowed by a fish and entombed there for three days and three nights. But then the third thing we learned is that Jonah experienced the mercy of God, didn't he? He didn't die in that sea. He was saved by that whale. He didn't get what he deserved, but he got what he didn't, and that was mercy. Well, three things this morning that I think we, can, uh, we need to acknowledge from chapter 3. The first thing being that God uses rebellious people. Notice verse 1 of chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Being told a second time means he didn't obey the first time. And those of you that have children, you, when your children look you in the eye and you tell them to do something and they don't immediately do it, they have done what? They have disobeyed. They have rebelled. Jonah, God's spokesperson, was told to go to Nineveh, but he went the opposite way. He rebelled. He was disobedient. He was rebellious, but God used him to see a whole city repent. And we see this time and time again throughout the Scriptures, don't we? We see people like Moses, David, Samson, right? And we could go on and on and on naming off rebellious people that the Lord used. And Jonah, Jonah is, is somewhat unique in his rebellion. Uh, why did Jonah rebel against the Lord? Well, Look at chapter 4 real quickly, and we're going to look at chapter 4 in more detail next week. But look at the first few verses. But it displeased Jonah. This is after the city of Nineveh repented and put on sackcloth and ashes. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He was angry at the Lord. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this why I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Why? Why did he flee? Why did he rebel from the Lord? 
For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So why did Jonah run from the Lord? Why did he rebel? Because he did not want to see the Assyrians, those in Nineveh, repent and receive the mercy of God. Jonah knew God was merciful and God would relent from punishing his enemies if they repented. But Jonah obeyed, didn't he, the second time? I mean, what are you going to do after you've been swallowed by a fish and spent three days in the belly of a fish and been spit out on dry land? What are you going to do? You're going to obey the Lord, right? And that's what Jonah did. But his heart isn't right. Jonah obeyed the Lord the second time. He went to Nineveh, but his attitude stunk. He was mad at God, and he did not want to go because he knew God would be merciful. But I'm glad God uses rebellious people, aren't you? In fact, all of us are rebellious, but God wants to use us, His church. And it's interesting because we believers, we teeter between thinking that, number one, God can only use me and no one else. We're self-righteous at times, aren't we? But we teeter between thinking that, that God can only use us because of who we are, and the other thought is that we're so sinful they can't use us at all. But because of the life of Jonah, we have to acknowledge that God uses rebellious, sinful people. We see it here in chapter 3. The second thing we need to acknowledge from this chapter is that God uses His people sharing His Word to change hearts. How does God change people? He changes their hearts through the preaching and teaching and sharing and reading of His inspired and errant word. What does it say in verse 2? God told Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Verse 3, Jonah obeys. Verse 4 says that he began to proclaim God's word to the people. And what's the message? It's short and direct. Could he have said more? I'm, I'm sure he possibly did. We're not told. We're just told that he said this and this was God's message to the people. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He delivered God's message, God's word. And what was the outcome? Look at verse 5. Verse 5, we're told uh, the outcome. The people believed God. They called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Sackcloth is a sign of humility. They humbled themselves before the Lord. They believed the Lord. And verse 6, six through 8 gives us the, the specific details. They believed God. They put on sackcloth. They mourned. And the king called on everyone to, go, to co go out and call out to the Lord. And it says, give up their evil ways and their violence. They humble themselves. They confess. And what are they doing here? They're repenting. Turn from your evil ways. Give up your evil ways. Verse 10 tells us that God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil. They're turning. They're repenting, right? What caused this change in these wicked enemies of God? The answer could be God, and that would be correct, right? Just like we, we said this testimony was my story, but it's also God's story because God does the work, and that is true. But God uses this rebellious, less than perfect mouthpiece, Jonah, to deliver his message, and his message, his word, changed 
the Ninevites. Today, on the other side of the cross, God has given us his word, and we, we have the gospel, don't we, to share with the lost in order that God may take that gospel and change hearts. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter shared the gospel, the story of Christ. And it tells us when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall, I, what shall we do? And they told them to repent and believe. And many accepted the message and were baptized. I want to share a story about my uh, friend. We call her Judy. That's her English name. She, she worked for us in, 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 um, in Asia when we were there. And the first time we, we hired her, we set her down at the table and uh, I shared the gospel with her and I, I told her that we were a Christian family and this is what we believed and just wanted her to know that. And she laughed. And I told her um, that um, we were studying our language and we were going to share this message with her and practice this with her. Jenny and I both would share this and we wanted her to correct us in our, in our language. And so as we were practicing this story, telling her the gospel, uh, week in, week out, day in and day out, she's hearing the gospel over and over and over. And about six, uh, eight months later, she comes into our house and going to help us do some work. And she says, hey, I told my husband uh, the Jesus story. And I was somewhat surprised. I said, really? She goes, yeah. She said, yeah, you told me that story so much that I, I know the story. And so I told it to my husband. I said, well, what did he say? He said, well, he asked me several questions. And then um, he asked me uh, one other question. I said, well, what did he ask you? And she said, he asked me if I believed that story was true. And I asked Judy, I said, what did you tell him? She says, I told him I know the story is true. She goes laughing at us the first time we shared the gospel with her, the first time she'd ever heard the gospel, right, as a middle-aged woman. But then six, eight months later, she says she knew that the story was true. Why? Because she had heard the story over and over and over. And God used that simple gospel message And it changed to change Judy's heart. Another friend of ours who worked overseas as well, she was on her furlough and she was shopping as, um, at a department store and she was prompted by the Holy Spirit, she said. She thought she was prompted by the Spirit to go and, and share the gospel with a, another shopper. And she had never seen this woman before, didn't know her at all. And so she goes up to her and she uh, began to converse with her and she says, I just want to tell you a, um, a story. And she began to tell her the gospel that there's a God who created the world and this God loved her very much. And even though God loved her and was merciful, he was also just. And because of her sin and because uh, of her rebellion towards him that he had to judge her. But God didn't want to judge her. And in fact, God sent his son 2,000 years ago to to take her punishment, to, to bear the wrath that she deserved. Jesus went to a cross, died for sinners. He was buried on the third day. He was raised to life so that 
sinners could be reconciled to God. And as she's sharing this simple message, in the middle of this shopping experience, this woman began to, to cry. Tears began to run down her face. And as the tears were running down her face, she began to reach into her handbag and put merchandise back on the shelf and reach into her coat and put merchandise back on the shelf. See, she was shoplifting. But the, the powerful message of the gospel melted her rebellious, callous heart. Well, Judy's story and this story of the shoplifter resonates with many of us, doesn't it? If you're a believer, you can identify with these stories. We have a similar experience. We, if you're a believer, there's been some times where you've heard the gospel and the gospel cut to the heart and there was conviction and there was brokenness and there was a desire to trust Christ. We should acknowledge from this text that God uses rebellious people. He used Jonah and he wants to use us and he wants to use his word, his powerful word, the powerful gospel to change lives like he did in Nineveh. But notice that the lost, they have to have a messenger speaking, declaring this message. Jonah disobeyed at first, but three nights in the whale hotel got his attention, right? Then Jonah went to Nineveh. He had to go, or at least someone had to go, and God chose to send sorry old Jonah. Now, if you're ready for your Bible drill, your weekly Bible drill, last week I, I gave you an opportunity to win some money from your parents. Um, kids, so get your Bibles ready. We're going to have a little Bible drill, and you, you could look at your parents if you want to, and, and look at them. If they haven't anted up and given you your prize uh, money yet, you can, uh, you can do double or nothing today. Um, you can, um, the loser vacuums and does the dishes after lunch, but the winner might get a dollar or get something, uh, get a pass on chores, whatever. But turn in your Bibles real quickly to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. You got it? Who's there first? Somebody's winning some, something here today. Well, Paul, writing this letter to the Roman believers, he's just said in verse 13, it's a very familiar verse for many of us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But they need to hear the gospel, don't they? So who's going to tell them? Verses 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How's your family member? How is your coworker, your neighbor? How is your husband? How is your son or granddaughter going to repent unless someone tells them the gospel message? Unless you tell them what every lost person needs more than anything is to hear the gospel. 
If you're a believer, you need to be asking. We all, as believers, need to be asking for opportunities to share this message of mercy and grace. And Well, it's kind of difficult these days, isn't it? The social distancing, but there's so many ways we can share the gospel, isn't it? Writing letters, texting, calling, um, so many ways. Um, we need to be asking for opportunities to share the gospel. God uses rebellious, sinful people, but He uses us to deliver the message, the sweet, powerful message of Jesus Christ, doesn't He? And lastly, the third thing we have to acknowledge today is that only repentance will result in God relenting of His promised wrath. Verse 10, after they heard the word of the Lord from this sinful, no-account messenger, they turned from their evil ways. God had promised their destruction in verse 4. But God relented because of their changed heart. Judgment is conditional, isn't it? Judgment is conditional upon repentance. Jeremiah 18, verse 7 and 8 says, At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning that calamity I plan to bring upon it. That's Jeremiah 18, 7 through 8. The Ninevites, they heard the message of the gospel and they repented and God relented. You know, the, tr it's tr the truth of the matter is we're all objects of God's wrath because of our sin. I'll read a couple of verses for you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Colossians 3, 5 and 6. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. Only repentance will result in God relenting of His promised wrath. How do we apply this text today? A couple things. Firstly, we have to remember God uses imperfect people, and He wants to use you and wants to use me. He used Jonah. He wants to use us to, to see people... Repent and believe. We have to remember that God's Word changes lives. He wants to use us to, to share the gospel message. And I shared this week, uh, the pastor points, just something real simple, but you know, we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to know everything to be able to share the gospel. Are we afraid sometimes that we're going to not share things clearly? Yes. Are we, share, are we afraid that someone's going to ask us things we can't answer. Yeah, of course. But He uses us sinners, imperfect people. He uses us to share this simple message and it's this simple message that changes lives. But, but lastly, just by way of application, is the wrath of God is coming. Part of the sharing the gospel message is to, to share that God is just and He judges sinners. But the wrath of God is coming. Only in repentance can one escape it. So if you're watching and listening today and you've yet to repent and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own, I want to encourage you 
to do that, to apply this text and turn from your selfishness, turn from your rebellion. Repent, turn from it, just like the Ninevites did, and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. Jesus died. He was crucified. He suffered the wrath of the Father so that you could be forgiven. He was buried. He rose on the third day. Do you believe that Jesus died in your place? Do you believe that He was buried? Do you believe that He was resurrected so that you could have a relationship with the Father? If so, turn from your sin. Cry out to the Lord. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want to encourage you, even right now, call on the name of the Lord that you will be saved, that He can save you, and He will save you. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge You are, you are merciful. And Jonah was right. You, you do grant repentance to sinners. And those who deserve your worst, Father, that you do give them your best. And Father, sometimes we forget that as believers, those of us who's experienced your mercy in miraculous ways, we're hesitant to share the gospel with those who are lost. But Father, I pray for our church that you would give us a burden for the lost those in our sphere of influence, we'd have a burden to share the gospel with them, that you would use the gospel message, that you would use our stuttering lips, you would use our imperfect methods, and you would take the perfect gospel and change lives. And I pray for their, the, the, the lost person that's watching and listening right now. I pray that you would bring conviction upon their heart for rebelling against you and living for themselves. Lord, that you would allow them to see their sin for what it is and you would allow them to see your worth and help them to turn from their sin and help them trust Christ, help them see Christ for who He is and what He's done. Father, may hearts be broken even now. May lives be changed even now. Do a work. Do a work in our church. Burden the church for lost people. Use our church to share the gospel. And Lord, save lost people as a result of hearing the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.